Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Hi, and welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith, and I'm here, of course, with Tina Spring. And today, of course, I need to say this because we say this every time we have a guest. We are super excited to have Molly Schultz with us. Um, And it's true because we are always really excited about the guests that we have. Molly Schultz and her husband, David, won Walking Wild, which is a fox rescue and wolf dog sanctuary here in Licking County, Ohio. And they started this um, when they moved out to Licking County and decided that, that they had a wolf dog and then they were given another wolf dog and they started collecting foxes from the fur, fur trade. And they now have this wonderful sanctuary that they are starting to, that they have, um, I can't, Molly can tell you, I know they have two wolf dogs and is it 30 foxes? 20, but 20. we have a potential for a couple pregnant females. So it could be 30 within a couple weeks. We don't know. So you might be accurate. All right. Well, it's always nice to be somewhat accurate anyway. And, and 20 foxes. And they are trying to raise money to build a very beautiful sanctuary for these animals. Um, one of the things that most people don't realize is that captive bred foxes are not the same as a wild fox. And if they are captive bred, they cannot be released into the wild. But they need to be rescued from the fur trade. And so what's, what is the option for them? Do um, And... Uh, Walking Wild Fox Rescue Sanctuary is an option for them. So hopefully Molly's going to tell us a little bit more about that, a little bit more about what is the difference between a captive bred fox and a wild fox, and some stuff about wolf dogs. So with that, thank you, Molly, for joining us. And Tina, you get the first question, which I think I've already given, but you can change it if you want. We're so excited to have you here. Um, I am wicked jealous that uh, that Julie got to come and visit the sanctuary. I will be. I have my second vaccine more than two weeks under my belt. I will absolutely be scheduling a trip to Ohio. I can't wait to get out of this house. So, in next week's episode, I think we're just going to have Julie ask all of the questions for the entire podcast time. During her introduction, I think that's a fantastic way to do it. So I'm just going to give her a hard time until she fires me. All right. So how can you talk to us a little bit about any of the questions Julie asked, either why um, captive bred foxes cannot be released into the wild? Um, Let's start with that one. Why why the difference between captive bred and wild bred? Yeah, so that's a great place to start because that is by far the most common question I get asked. Um, It's why don't you let them go, right? Why don't you release them? Why do you keep them? Why is this their permanent residence? Um, And because most people think of a fox, they think of, you know, a beautiful animal, animal frolicking in the woods, playing in the field, you know, out there as a wild animal. The reality is captive bred foxes in the United States. So we're talking red type foxes in the U.S. here with these things. So, um... In the United States, fur farmers um, came into existence in about the 1880s when furriers decided it would be way easier rather than going out and trapping foxes to trap some, bring them back and start a breeding colony of foxes um, that would be raised in captivity. 
And so that started in about the 1880s. So all the captive red foxes that we have here in the United States, whether they were purchased from a breeder that breeds them to be, and I use the word pet, and we can talk about that extremely loosely when talking about a fox, um, but whether you know they are considered pet breeders, bred to be a pet, or they are foxes that are bred on a fur farm to be pelted and turned into articles of clothing. They all come from those foxes that were trapped back in the late 1800s, early 1900s and put onto fur farms. So you've got foxes that are generation upon generation upon generation root from any wild animal. So they don't instinctually know how to survive. I love to share that they like to hunt, but they don't know how to eat what they kill. Like to them, it's literally just playing with a squeaky toy that moves. It's not, they don't have a mindset of I need to do this to survive. They don't know how to forage. They just don't have those instincts that a wild animal has because they're not wild. They have relied upon people to provide all their necessities, whether people that have loved them or people that have not been great to them, like on a fur farm, they still rely on those people for their necessities to survive. So they instinctually don't have what it takes to survive in the wild. They come in a lot of different color variations when they're captive bred. So Fur farmers have bred red type foxes into over 70 different color variations that don't exist naturally. Um, and so because of that, you get a lot of animals that wouldn't blend with their surroundings. Foxes occur naturally in three colors, red, silver, and cross, which is a silver and red kind of splotched together, um, kind of like a Harlequin Great Dane, but with silver and red splotching in there. And so with that, you get, they can blend with their surroundings. They can blend into the field. You know, your silvers are more found in more tundra-y places like um, Russia or up in more of the Yukon and the Arctic space, you'll get some silver variations. Um, and so they need to blend naturally with their surroundings. You get all these captive bred colors that both blend with their surroundings. So they're gonna stick out like a sore thumb to any predator, um, which does not allow them to survive. And then on top of all of that, they're, considered an invasive species because they're not wild. So if somebody is to release a captive bred fox into the environment, you're releasing an invasive species because it's not supposed to be there. You're introducing different color variations and you have an animal that not only needs people for survival instinctually, but they have a desire to be relational with people. Again, very different than a dog or a cat. They are relational in a fox way, but they have that need to be happy and healthy to have that relationship. So there's all types of factors that go into why they aren't wild and why you cannot release them. Um, of course, there's also fines and, you know, losing of permits and all of that jazz on board as well if you were to release one. So do we, do we know, so I've always been told that the reason lots of species, wolves, other canids like foxes, are not, um, uh, that many states, for example, my state, Georgia, does not allow you to own a wolf dog. You're not actually even allowed to transport one through the state yeah. legally, um, is because we don't know that there's efficacy for vaccine like rabies, distemper, other things. Um, I, of course, would, when asked, like, hey, will you work with a wolf dog? I always say that I don't work with wild animals, right? Like, that's not what I do. I work with domesticated animals. So when we're thinking in terms of um, that being an invasive species, like I'm assuming that that is part of the basis of why some municipalities and states determine that these animals should not be considered pets for people. So it's there's a lot that goes into that. Um, a lot of it does have a concern about, yes, if they were to get out, are you now introducing an invasive species? 
Um, a lot of that has to do with there's a lot of specialized care that goes into these animals. There's a lot of, you know, you bring up the rabies vaccine thing, which is um, something that we're actually working on getting involved with changing uh, because all of our animals do get, uh, like our foxes get rabies, distemper, and lepto. Um, and our wolf dogs get, you know, influenza, lepto, rabies, distemper, um, limes. They get all the same vaccines. And there are no proven cases where a vaccinated animal that has the vaccine hasn't worked. Um, it's a it's a topic that's a real um, a passion point for me because it's a very uh, un, unevolved, unrealistic um, thing to, to say that these animals, even though vaccinated, aren't vaccinated. Um, and so that's, that's, we can spend hours on that topic. But there is that element um, and the element of, you know, invasive species care is a big thing. Um, and just, you know, there's a lot of um, stigma that goes with it. You know, there's a lot of, um, you know, people that maybe aren't educated, that don't understand. My, I always feel like if someone is upset about something or gets frustrated or confused, it's because they don't understand. And there's room for education there to help them understand kind of the area. So Absolutely. there's just ton of variables that go into that. Um, and even states where they are legal, uh, for example, where I am in Ohio and where Julie is, um, wolf dogs are considered the same as any other dog. There's no permit. There's no anything to have a wolf dog. They are considered because they aren't a wild animal. Um, wolf dogs that we have today are 99.9% .9 of them are not a breeding of a wolf to a dog. They're a breeding of uh, you know, two, three generation wolf dog to a two, three generation wolf dog. And that's how you get your wolf dog. So there's no direct link to a wolf or a wild animal. They are wolf dog to wolf dog, which you get then a wolf dog. Um, so in like the state of Ohio, they're viewed just like any other animal is for everything, except if they were to bite somebody and need medical attention, then that quarantine that our dogs go through, which is 10 days here in Ohio, doesn't take effect, even when they're vaccinated, they can be euthanized. And if you don't have a good relationship or rapport um, with your dog wardens or with, you know, the local municipalities, um, then they can take and, and euthanize your wolf dog on the spot for even if it was you that it bit and you could care less, you just needed to go, you know, get your wound flushed out. It doesn't matter. Um, so there's a lot of um, unnecessary euthanasias of wolf dogs for that exact reason right there, which is really heartbreaking and sad because as we know with most dog bites, it's usually the person that made a bad judgment that caused that animal to bite versus the animal just biting. Um, people usually brought I, that on. I often think people are really surprised how resistant animals are to actually biting. Like they don't like that conflict. It would be like, how far would I have to push you to get you to stab me in the face? Right? Like you don't want to have to do that. I, I think often because it hurts our feelings and there's like a whole bunch of stuff that goes into that. There's just this whole they, people don't understand, like, okay, trying to kiss your skipperky on the face might actually get you a piercing you didn't intend. And not because your intentions were bad, but because there was a miscommunication between the species about what's socially appropriate and what isn't. So let's at, let me ask the question. So foxes are fantastic. Like, I love foxes. Um, talk to me about why I ought not own one. 
Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why you ought not own one. And that is really scary when it comes from somebody that has 20 of them with potentially babies on the way. Um, so with that um, being said, foxes, captive bred. So we talk about, you know, they're captive bred. These aren't domestic foxes. People think, so there is that domestication study that's going on in Russia. Um, there's actually, we have a wonderful partner here in the States that has 12 foxes from that domestication study in Russia. And they um, act very different than a captive bred fox. Remember, these foxes are bred for size, so they can get more fur out of them on a fur farm. They are bred for pelt density and color, so they can charge more for their fur. And when they do eventually end up at a pet breeder, that color variation a lot of times takes precedence over disposition. So they're breeding for the most beautiful looking animal, not necessarily the most relational animal. Now that doesn't mean you don't get foxes that are extremely relational. It just means that that's not the quality they're looking for when they're breeding these animals nine times out of 10 in most environments that people would get them from here in the United States. So um, biggest reason why you don't want to get a fox, um, unless you is that your life now revolves around them. So earlier I shared, you know, I don't call them a pet. I say I share my life with wolf dogs and foxes because that's really what it is. It is a very different relationship. It's more of having a roommate or a partner, not a pet. They're not there to do whatever I ask when I ask them to do it. They're not there to, you know, behave. Foxes are extremely curious. They're very ornery. They're spunky and they're sassy. But that means that if you don't have wooden drawers that you put your things in with the baby proof locks, they will open your drawers, empty your drawers of all of your things, scatter them around the house, and you will now find holes in random shirts that you really, really liked. Or you will lose, you know, straps from all of your different shirts because that's fun and you can't teach them not to do that. That is who they are. You can't get mad at them if you raise your voice at a fox. You will destroy the relationship you have with them and you now looking at uh, two to three months before you can rebuild that. You just have to laugh. Really to have these animals, you have to just laugh at just about everything that happens. You know, when I'm cooking and I turn around to, you know, prepare the, the dinner and I go back to the pot I just set out and they've gotten on the counter and peed in it because foxes mark things. They don't potty in their litter boxes all the time. They want that pot is there, so they're going to pee in it. And now Remember you've got to, to pee. pee. When yeah. I come to Ohio, we're going out to eat. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, <laughs> I, I clean, to clarify. I have the cleanest house you will ever enter because I deep clean my couch a couple times a week. I mop every day. Every surface gets wiped down multiple times a day because I don't want my house to smell like pee. That's not, I, I have a home that I love with furniture and belongings I love. I don't want it to be destroyed. So I clean constantly. And if you want to have one of these animals and not have a destroyed house, you've got to clean constantly. You've got to be on your A game. I have four foxes that live inside permanently. Um, we have six that are inside temporarily right now. I kind of, you know, have said a little bit. We recently rescued them. Um, they were on a fur farm. They had already been bred before rescuing them. So we, they're inside right now till we find out if they are pregnant and if they're going to have pups. We don't breed, we are not a breeder, but we rescued these animals knowing they had already been bred. The boys are all neutered. So there is no procreation happening under this roof. Um, but you know, it's, it is a lot of work. Uh, you can't go away on vacations very easily. Um, red type foxes bond to one or two people. And um, they can be friendly with others, but that's not their person. 
Um, and on that same vein of they bond to one or two people, they may not like everybody in your family. Um, for example, our first captive bred fox, we rescued Banjo. We got him at about four years old. He was a pet surrender. He, I am his person. I can do anything to him. I can, you know, he doesn't care if I trim his nails, if I brush his teeth, if I, he received an injury where we got him from with his feet. So I have to do a lot of medical care to his one foot. I can mess with that. He is perfect. My husband, who has done nothing but love on him, can't touch him or else he will bite him. And I don't mean like nip him. I mean, put a canine through his hand, bite him. My husband has done nothing but love on him, but Banjo, that's not his person. And he has no desire to have any relationship with my husband. And my husband did nothing wrong. It's just, that's how his brain's wired. So you can have a family and maybe you were the one that wanted the fox, but the fox decided it likes your spouse and doesn't like you. And now your feelings are hurt. You can't take it personally because there's no rhyme or reason to us. But in their mind, it makes perfect sense. Now, we know why Banjo doesn't like my husband. My husband switched from a third shift to a first shift. And Banjo decided that he was mad at him because now at night when he slept with mommy, now daddy is also in bed with mommy and him. And he does not like that. And because of that, he will refuse to allow my husband to touch him. That happened a couple months after we rescued him. And um, all the progress they made was shattered right then and there when David started sleeping in bed at night. Because they're sensitive, they're emotional, they and they don't get over it. Not you like you know, they're, oh, fine. You already talked about there's not any procreation around loud in your house, so I mean, you guys could just do bunk beds. Yeah, we could. You, you and Foxy Loxy and your poor sweet husband cuddling a wolf dog. We actually, uh, right now we actually don't um, sleep in the same room because <laughs> our Atlas, our rescued wolf dog. Um, it does not like our Great Pyrenees and they have to remain separated. And so to not make sure that one doesn't feel like, you know, it's being punished and the other one isn't, we sleep, we've divided so, and sleep with each of them. So, so I'm, I'm laughing. Your wolf dog doesn't like the Great Pyrenees that no. guards sheep from wolves? Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. well, that there would be I, any discord there. Yeah. <laughs> Our, uh, our high content wolf dog loves our great Pyrenees and um, Atlas, our low content one that doesn't used to like Olaf. Um, Olaf took his empty food bowl once and he has held that grudge for a good long while and just can't get past it um, because, you know, it, it was empty, but it could have refilled. We just don't know. And now he can't get get over that. And our great Pyrenees is very timid of assertive dogs. And so Atlas now knows he has Olaf's number. Because Olaf, when he sees him, gets really sheepish and timid. And Atlas decides, well, great, I can be the boss then over you. And, you know, you get a 160-pound and 170-pound dog that don't like each other. That's a, that's a lot of weight um, trying to divide that argument up. So they just cohabitate separately. So what's the, um, what's the funny but also saddest? <laughs> I decided to get a pet wolf dog or I decided to get a pet fox story that y you've heard that I've heard oh gosh there's a lot of them um oh where let's see um some of the best are actually my own um so I one story that I always love um, that I think really kind of plays to something Julie mentioned and the sensitivity of these animals um, is, is my husband, um, my, our high content wolf dog, we got at four and a half weeks old. 
Maugram is his name. Um, he is all black. And um, he, uh, when he was a couple months old, um, my husband uh, raised his voice while wearing a blue jeans and a gray hoodie. Well, wolf dogs are sensitive to the 18th degree. Now, this incident had nothing to do with Maugram. This incident had nothing to do. Maugram was not in trouble. My husband got irritated with something on the other side of the house. And ever since then, if my husband is in a blue jeans and a gray hoodie, this was five years ago, mind you. Maugram will not allow him to approach him. He associates blue jeans and gray hoodie with daddy is in a bad mood from five years ago. That is his association. And to this day, we only laugh about it because, you know, we'll come back home from dinner and David will go, oh, I forgot. I'm in the wrong color hoodie. You're going to need to let Maugram out to potty because he won't let him. He could be in blue jeans and a, and a blue hoodie. And Magram's like, you're my favorite because he is my husband's. They have the tightest bond, Magram and my husband. But blue jeans and a gray hoodie. Nope. No, sorry, Bob. That's a bad, bad outfit, um, which is really bad when your husband's a sports fan because every sports team's hoodie is gray with the logo on it. And so now you know, he's got to put on a different jacket when he walks in the door if, or he actually usually quickly changes out of, you know, his, his Dallas Stars hoodie or Cowboys hoodie into something, something else. So that's probably, uh, that's one that I love to tell people that it's got a funny element to it, but it's also helps people understand just how sensitive these animals are and how you really, you know, you've got to be in tune to every single thing happening in your life, whether it involves them or it doesn't involve them. They are watching every move, every tone, every posture, every everything. And, you know, the, the common misconception that I love to help people understand is what is an alpha? We live in a world where people think alpha means I'm going to go up and show this animal that I am tough, I am mean, I am stronger, I am rougher than they are. And so people get a wolf dog or a fox and they decide that's how I'm going to show this animal I'm alpha. What happens then is you create a tit for tat battle and that's when somebody gets hurt because that's not what an alpha would do. An alpha would look at that animal and say, you're being dramatic. You need to cool your jets. Stop being a fussy about this and move along. And they would set the example Absolutely. of of behavior. Absolutely. And so that's what you have to do in working with these animals. But we're in a culture where so many people don't understand that's what it really means to be the leader, to say, you're being dramatic. I'm not going to play into this game. You can come talk to me when you've gotten over whatever this is and we'll carry on. Um, and right. It's, people, it's, it's like yeah. being, it just you have to be the stable adult. You have to yeah. say, okay, that's enough. I'm, yeah. Right. I'm buy into this. You know, you're, you're not going to get, you're not going to meet drama with drama and yell at them. It doesn't work with kids. It doesn't work with dogs. And it certainly doesn't work with wolf dogs. And so I think that you're right. I, I'm really glad you said that because I think there's a really terrible misunderstanding as to what hierarchies and alpha and relationships are all about in, in the dog world to the point where I never even, I never use those terms ever because nobody truly understands them. So thank you for that definition. That was great. Well, um, Go ahead, and Tina. social hierarchy doesn't cross species. Like I'm, right, I'm always right. like, do you really think your dog doesn't know that you're not a dog? Like what? <laughs> what? Like really? 
it's the it's the oddest thing. Like it's such a misunderstood thing that I'm like, okay, I don't I don't actually. I, it's just it's funny. It makes me laugh. The the gray and black fox behind you is very handsome. Yes, that is Marlon. He is a very handsome boy. He is one of our fur farm rescues. Um, Marlon tried to pee on me, so I feel very honored. He did try to pee on you. Foxes pee on what's theirs. So when Julie was out here, Marlon decided she should be his. And so he tried to pee on her a few times, you know? And and only only Julie would be flattered. Yeah. (laughs) She'd be like, please pee on me. Yeah. I wasn't quite that far along. And one of our foxes, Woody, was sitting right next. I used to work for Disney, which is why all of our foxes have Disney names. So people are like, that's all, yeah, they're all Disney names. Um, Woody was sitting next to me and he was letting me uh, love on him and scratch his chin, which it's another reason foxes have a different feeling of affection. And if you get a rescue fox, especially one from a fur farm, it can take years before they'll let you touch them. That is not their way of showing affection a lot of times. You can't just walk up and snuggle them. It doesn't go well, usually, nine times out of ten. So Woody wanted to be have his chin scratched. So I was all excited because that's not something he wants all the time. So I was scratching his chin, and all of a sudden, I think, my boot is really warm. Well, here he was letting me scratch his chin because he was unleashing his bladder in my boot. That is why he was letting me scratch his chin. <laughs> Not really that he won his chin scratch like I thought, but he was peeing his full bladder load in my. So you know, why, why not? Why not? Just why another not? day. So, um, oh, I just my mind just went blank. Tina, you got a question? Because my mind just I just lost. It. I know what I'm. Well, I'm, I I'm I was right gonna... now ordering hip waiters while <laughs> looking at restaurants in your area. So that when I visit, You're I'm fully prepared. prepared. Yeah. So, I, so I, I live my life in the company of two feral dogs from Turks and Caicos. So dogs that came from domesticated dogs for generations have been wild on island. And I very much understand the whole like, yeah, it's not the same. I will say these dogs are more domesticated than what you're talking about. But there is still an awful lot of, like, I don't get to make all the rules, which is humbling. And you learn to have very creative conversations, right? Because you learn how to word things in a way (laughs) that it's kind of the dog's idea so that you just are avoiding conflict. And I think you're right. I think um, we get very, we have a tendency to just usurp the authority of that other animal probably because our authority gets usurped quite a bit. And so, you know, tit for tat, but yeah, it can go really badly, really quickly. And I keep, I always look at the cute little, like, Oh, the, somebody got a pet fox and how cute they are. And then I think about how much I like my things and that my house would be completely destroyed. So I love that you're, um, that you're quick to share that with people. How many of the the foxes on your property have come from people who ill-advised bought what they considered to be a pet fox and it just didn't work out as they had intended? So right now we have two. 
um, we that came from that. We actually, uh, Julia kind of talked about our facility. We have a wait list of six that are waiting to come to us. Um, that's owners. I'm working with them to give the right environment until our facility is complete and we can intake them. Um, just because when we have foxes that need rescued from the fur trade, it's a life or death situation where if we don't get them in 24 to 48 hours, they are going to be killed. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So we do, um, you know, to save a life at this moment without having our large facility, um, kind of prioritize that. And then I work with my people that are needing to surrender or wanting to surrender. Um, we do get emergency pet surrenders. We've got one that we may be taking in here in a couple weeks that is from that sort of situation. But um, one of our perfect examples is Remy. So Remy um, is a marble coloration. So he is white with beautiful black facial markings and a black strip down his tail. I said, if Cruella de Vil was a fox, that would kind of be the coloration. Um, and so Remy, um, somebody got him from a breeder and they lived in an environment that wasn't good for a fox. They lived in an apartment. Never get a fox if you live in an apartment. That's just a really bad decision. You also will never get your pet deposit back. So, you know, there's that thing too. Um, so... Um, they got him uh, at four weeks old. That's when most foxes are adopted from a breeder, um, which I do not necessarily agree with. Um, but they want them to imprint on you and not imprint on their mom. So uh, same with high content wolf dogs. You get them at about four weeks old. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff that those animals miss out on developmentally when that happens. Um, but, you know, again, discussion for another day. Um, so they got Remy at four weeks old. Um, by eight weeks, they realized uh, this was not for them. And um, it's because of a few things you never think about. So, you know, and foxes, many animals, but foxes particularly are drawn to shiny things. If you have facial piercings, a baby fox is going to try to remove all of your facial piercings because it is shiny. It is on your face. It is probably not going to feel good, but that animal is not being aggressive. It's being a baby, it's being playful, and it's wanting to have fun. And your nose piercing or your eyebrow piercing or your tongue piercing that it sees is great fun. Well, the person that got him had facial piercings and she didn't know how to positively, you know, when we work with these animals, it's all about ignoring what you don't want and rewarding what you do. And so if a fox is getting, you know, or a wolf dog nippy or too excited, we just stand up and remove ourselves. There's no yelling at them. There's no scolding them. It's just, nope, I'm not going to do that today. Well, rather than doing that, she started reprimanding Remy. You've got a four, five, six, seven week old baby that just wants to play. It views you as its mommy. It would bite its mommy's face. And now its mommy's face has shiny things in it, which just scream, bite me more. And so they had made some poor judgment calls with how to work with him through that. Um, and we're just ready to get rid of him. Remy had done nothing wrong other than be a fox. He was being an itty bitty baby that just wanted to play and was having fun, but they weren't ready for that. They weren't ready for, you know, you probably, if you're going to snuggle with him, should take your nose piercing out or your lip piercing as probably should. In fact, when our volunteers or people come to visit, that's always the first thing I say. If you have any piercings, please remove them because they like shiny things just like me and they may try to take it. Glasses, rings, they're so used to rings because I wear mine isn't a thing, but it's piercings that appear on your face. It's like, whoa, that's fun. That's new. I like that. Um, 
And so there's little things like that that people don't even think about, you know, and you bring this baby home and it's, you know, sweet as could be. And they, you know, we want to get rid of this animal. He's so aggressive. He's so, Remy's the sweetest little fox there is. Now he's a nippy fox, but most foxes are nippy. And again, nothing you can train them not to do. You just teach them that when they get a little too rough because they're mouthy, you know, huskies, when you lose your domestic dogs tend to be mouthier dogs. Foxes are like a husky on steroids. They all their communication comes from their mouth. And so when they get a little too rough, you just remove yourself from that situation. Um, and, or, you know, for foxes, you can literally just stand up and say, nope. And then when they calm down, you sit back down and you go back to interacting with them, um, which is also why bad for kids. If you have kids, do not ever get a captive bred fox or a wolf dog. It's a very bad choice. Um because they will, the child could get hurt because the animal's being that animal. Um, but that's, you know, there's all those little things like that. Um, and so Banjo is our other one that was a pet surrender. We got him at four years old um, and he, a couple months shy of four. Um, he had a lot of um, fractured teeth that arose that the individual couldn't afford to care for and personal things happened in their life. Um, the one fox that we may be taking in that's a, a pet surrender here in the next few weeks they are moving to an illegal state to where they can't take it. Um, red type foxes are only legal in 10 states in the U.S. And some of those states um, getting the permit to have them isn't easy. Ohio, we are one that it is very easy to get a permit to keep them. Um, but there are many states where it is not. So even if it is legal, it may not be legal in the city you're in. It may not be legal, you know, in that county, in that township. Um, and you may not have, be able to do what's needed to get that permit. So there's a lot of people that, you know, moving, um, if you ever think you may have to move and not have control about where you move to, wolf dog and a fox is not for you because you may have to surrender those animals just because you're moving to a different place that they can't come to. So what is life expectancy? Uh, for a captive bred fox, it's about 10 to 15 years. Um, for a wolf dog, it's generally about 12 to 16 years. So you're looking at, you know, longer life expectancies, which is great. Odd makes me happy. Um, but, you know, it's not an animal that's just going to be gone from you soon. You're going to have them for a good long while. Well, and through different life stages, right? Yeah. I'm 51. So if I got a fox now, I'm going to still potentially have a fox as I'm knocking on 70 which yeah. is a very different developmental stage for a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the things I was also going to mention um, that uh, I really was glad that you talked about, Molly, but it really applies to the dog world as well. And when you're saying that they're bred for color only, um, that's one of the problems that happens with the breeding farms for dogs here in, in uh, Ohio and Nebraska and Iowa. All these farms that are breeding simply for the looks, not for the temperament, not for... Um, the health or anything else. So that's why you got to be really careful, not only where you get your fox or wolf dog, but you got to be careful where you get your dog as well, because you can have some really serious health and temperament problems when you're buying dogs that are bred simply for a particular look. The other thing is, is I really like the fact that you talked about positive reinforcement training. And this really brings home to me, if And I've known for a long time that you can't use force-based methods on wild animals or you lose them forever. But you know what? You will lose your, I have a a little dog right now who's a client and she's just a sweetheart, but she's very sensitive. And 
you know, like whenever daddy raises his voice, I just want to crumple to the ground. And, and, but she's really responding to positive reinforcement training. Why? Because we're doing exactly what you said. We are reinforcing and rewarding the desired behavior and we are ignoring or preventing or managing the undesirable behavior. And she's starting to blossom. So if it works with wild animals, think about how much more it's going to work for an animal who's actually bred to be your companion. So thank you very much for those two things. Then the last thing I wanted to ask you to tell us about is um, what's happening at uh, Walking Wild and the new sanctuary building that you're that you want to build and how people might be able to help you with that. Yeah, definitely. So um, we uh, right now, you know, we talked about we're 20 foxes um, and my husband custom builds all of our enclosures for our foxes, our wolf dogs. We have two um, and we don't have more at this point um, because our facility is not yet built and wolf dogs can chew through chain link. Fun fact. Um, so you can't just put up a, you know, a temporary area for them. They really need a custom built space that's designed for safety and everything for them. Um, so Walking Wild is expanding um, and hopefully expanding here very soon to be the largest captive bred fox rescue in the U.S. Um, our new facility will be able to house over 60 foxes um, and a very large wolf dog facility that we have able to house over 20 wolf dogs. Now, we're not just it's not just big. So one of the things when we started Walking Wild that was very important to us was taking this world of captive bred foxes, specifically wolf dog rescue. There's a lot of fantastic sanctuaries out there that are great to kind of glean from their knowledge. But in the captive bred fox world, there really aren't rescues out there that put every aspect of the animal's needs first. And that's something that we really want to make sure that we're doing. So when we talk about these pet surrender foxes we've talked about, they've lived inside their whole lives. And red type foxes have a very unique physical attribute. And it's why you can find them in Florida and you can find them up in Arctic areas is their coat can get thick and thin based upon the temperatures and their environments they're in. So if you have a fox that has lived inside its whole life, it has never had to get that thick winter coat that can be up to five pounds of fur to keep them warm. And they've never had to lose and get down to that super, super sleek thin coat because they, with the exception of going outside, hopefully to get to play in things, have been in a probably 70, 72 degree climate their whole life. And so their coat doesn't know how to thicken or get thin and you take that animal and you just say, okay, we're gonna put it outside, which is how all fox rescue is run right now. It's also why we have four inside foxes because they aren't ones that should be outside. Um, you know, you take that animal and you throw it outside, it now not only has the emotional stress of just being surrendered, but the physical stress. And we want to eliminate any physical stress because that's something we can control. I can't control the emotion that animal's going through from being dropped off, but I can control the physical emotion that it can face in those physical stressors. So really when we're building this facility, it's all about taking those needs of the animals, everything down from, you know, what is, how can we climate control this to what type of space do they need? So these will be, you know, the largest enclosures that are in this space. Two foxes will have at minimum 200 square feet in addition to 20,000 square feet of play yards. So they don't just have these little enclosures that they're going to be in. They've got these expansive spaces. They are multi-level. They are underground spaces. Anything that these animals need, they're captive bred but they have the instincts of, you know, not instincts, but the desires, the need for the enrichment and sort of activity level that a wild fox would. And you need to be able to provide that to them in order for them to be happy and not get bored. Um, and so this facility is really 
turning this space on its head and putting all those elements into it from their enclosures to their play yards to custom designed vet clinics that take into account texture sensitivities for wolf dogs and foxes, color sensitivities, sound, scent, and making this really a place that is all about putting their needs above anything else. Our wolf dogs will have that same indoor outdoor climate controlled space that our foxes will have. Their outdoor spaces, I always say, as much as we can bring Yellowstone to central Ohio, that's what we're going to do with water elements and hills and forest areas that they can really, again, have fun and explore and enjoy their lives. Because nothing is more important to me than making sure that our animals are happy and that they're having fun no matter where they are. And anything that we can do to control that is extremely important. Um, but, you know, more than just a rescue facility that's really going to shape the way this world is viewed is it's going to be an educational destination to where people can come from all over and interact with these animals. They can learn about them. They can get hands on experiences with them. They can learn to develop a love for them. We one of the things that's really important to Walking Wild is our advocacy for foxes in the fur trade. You know, in the United States, the fur industry is still an over billion dollar industry that it brings in. Um, and there are four animals raised for fur in the U.S., foxes, mink, bobcats, and lynx. Um, and with foxes, it's arctics and reds that are on fur farms. And there are over 1,500 foxes killed every year uh, for their pelts. There are unknown numbers killed every year because they're unusable. And those are the animals that we can sometimes get surrendered to us, ones that fur farmers deem unusable. But having a place where people can come and meet these animals and interact with them, get to do like what Julie did, where she came out and got to pet fiddle and interact with them, takes this from a distant animal that, yeah, it's awful they're kept in four to five square feet of wire. And it's awful that, you know, they are treated horrifically. But I've never really had the connection to now put you in there and say, OK, you're going to have a connection with one of these animals that has escaped that escape. We don't break in. They get legally surrendered to us. But, you know, they have left that environment. They are now here. Um, and now it becomes personal. That that whole concept of a fox on a fur farm, now that Roz has just looked at you in the eyes and stood on your legs and stared at you and said how, you know, should you how sweet she is, is now a personal thing to where that's no longer just a distant thing. You have that personal connection. And so this facility will allow us to do that allow us to educate people about why these are probably not a good choice for you to share your life with unless you're ready to change, turn your life upside down um, and, you know, allow, you know, people like Discovery, Nat Geo that are needing to do educational things to have animals that are social enough. So you can do that and be a resource to help, you know, educate people about every aspect of our wild canine neighbors um, that was so important that we respect them as well. So it's a facility with a lot of, of pieces, parts, but yeah, we, Dean donations for that, because as you can imagine, that is not a cheap facility to build. It's very expensive. Um, and so if anyone does want to help with that, donate, learn more about it. Um, you can do that on our website, which is walkingwildrescue.org. Um, and if you want to know more about it, there's a contact page and you can reach out to me and I will talk your ear off because talking is nothing I have a problem doing. So. Well, we're always happy to have you back, right? Well, you um, know, I, I'm a big fan of. I'm a big fan of teaching people how not to make life harder, right? And I do. I get people who are like, we're thinking about getting a fennec fox. And I'm like, what? Like, it, like why don't you get a rhinoceros? That sounds great, too. So, yeah, I love that, that you're doing the, the education part of like, hey, 
probably not what you expected. Kind of like, I don't know, marriage. Not really what you expected <laughs> for us or them. You know, it's not like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, and with wolf dogs, it's not like Game of Thrones. You know, you're not going to be Jon Snow and ghosts just forging the north. And it's not going to be Snow White with your little woodland critters, you know, helping you clean and tidy up your house and live in a fantasy world. There's a reality to it. Right. Yeah, it, re- uh-huh. it reminds me of the of the ca- the dowager count the dowager countess uh, Grantham who says to Matthew in one of the episodes of Downton Abbey, Matthew, what you need to understand is that marriage is a long business for people like us, and it's kind of like that's the same thing here with foxes and wolves. This is a long business that you are getting yourself into, and and can you really do the long haul? So Molly, thank you so much for joining us. We do want you to come back because we want updates on the sanctuary and how it's going. And we want to, there's, I feel like we only skimmed the surface of what we could talk about. And so we would love to have you back again. And once again, anybody who's interested in more information on Walking Wild Rescue, their um, website is walkingwildrescue.org. And we will have that on the show notes. Um, Molly, is there anything that we haven't covered today that you would really like our listeners to know? Oh, there's always things that people can know, but I think we did a good job with an introduction. Um, And I just, you know, what I would say is if anyone is thinking about having these animals, you know, I don't, don't want to make it sound like for every single person, you shouldn't get one because there are people out there. There are crazy people like my husband and I that, you know, sharing your life with these animals is such an amazing, rewarding thing, but it's not most of us. Um, and so because of that, if you are thinking about it, I am always here to answer questions that people have, to give them a dose of reality, to talk to them about, you know, what is what is this like and is it a good fit for you? Because, um, you know, the reality is there these animals aren't going anywhere, so they need places to go. And there are great people out there that can provide them with that. But most people um, aren't prepared for all that it requires. So if anyone is thinking about sharing their life with one of these animals and wants to, you know, talk about it or kind of get some information, please don't hesitate to reach out through that contact page. And I will be the person that gets back to you and kind of talks to you about that and um, can help you understand what what is life really like? Um, Because, you know, 98 percent of people shouldn't have them. But there are two percent of us crazies out there that probably can handle it. So, um, you know, for those two percent. Um, I'm happy to, you know, help you through that process. So. Great. Awesome. Thank you. Well, we hope you'll come back again soon. Yes, I would love and, to. Let me know. Next time, next time you'll have to expound on what a fox says. Yes. Oh, I, I can. We'll get Tinkerbell out for that. She would be happy to tell everyone all about what the fox says. I I do so love it. Like they are so chatty and they're and they're engaging like. I imagine you can spend a day just watching them when they're not sleeping. And even yeah. when they are, like they're sweet when they're sleeping. <laughs> they are. You're like, oh, so nice. They're all so cute and cuddly now. And then that's they wake right. Up. Anybody can have a sleeping fox. Yeah. Um, it's it's the, the, the awake fox. That's the challenge, not the sleeping yeah. fox. So. But yeah, I would love, I would love to learn more about them. So I'd love to have you back. All right. We'd love to come back. You just tell me when. All right. That sounds great. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you all next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.